0: morning and welcome to this week's edition of over the bar with myself sean holland and this morning we are going to get straight into today's interview and my guest this week started off his broadcasting career in pirate radio and went on to commentate on some of the biggest matches of world football that is of course mr trevor welch so without further ado let's get into the interview Right, now I'm delighted to be joined by Mr. Trevor Welch, host of 96FM The Score and commentator for TV3 and Virgin Media. Trevor, you're very welcome on the show. Thanks, Sean. Brilliant to have you on, Trevor. Yeah, and uh, just to start, would you be able to give us a small bit of a background about yourself?
1: Yeah, uh, Trevor Welch, and I, I suppose. I, you know, I'm working at the moment, as you said, presenting the Sunday show The Score on 96FM and I present um, online, Premier League Live, with uh, TalkSport um, the wireless group that own TalkSport UK um, own a number of stations uh, in Ireland LMFM uh, Live 95 in Limerick uh, Q102 in Dublin FM14 Cork 96 FM and C103 so I'm uh, presenting out of uh, Broadcasting House 96 FM and Cork uh, Premier League drive, putting our own kind of stamp on it on Saturday um, which is hugely exciting obviously the new season kicked off Last week, so I'm up again this Saturday. Twelve o'clock start, and it's a long day. Finish at half seven. But this uh, Saturday we have um, we have three live commentary matches. So Villa, Everton, of first international National and Brentford, Manu. And I'm still, you know, commentating with Virgin Media, mm-hmm. who have taken up obviously, from TV3. So I do all the European matches through Virgin and the international stuff. So I kept busy, and um, this time of the year really is is uh, things are hotting up now, obviously. I do the League of Ireland as well across the United events the League of Ireland the Nations League coming up in September the continuation uh, the European stuff and the Premier League so what all of that as you could imagine there's a lot of research a lot of writing uh, to have it spot on when you actually sit behind the microphone
0: I could imagine so there's a lot there to keep you going especially just even in the world of soccer alone but uh, Trevor what I want to do is kind of get a look into your uh, childhood and your past career and, and how you actually got into radio and sports so could you give us a kind of a a bit of a rundown of how we got into radio first, anyway.
1: Yeah, um, I went to uh, Dare Park School, clossey um, in um uh, in the late 70s, early 80s. And uh, my brother, Noel, who worked for the Cork Examiner, as a journalist, but he was on the first pirate radio station in Cork. Um, it was called uh, CBC, the Cork Broadcasting Company. And he was on that in around 1977 to 79, 80, maybe. Um, but, you know, even from an early age, I was only 12 then when all started on pirate radio. And I'd listen into it. And, you know, there was no station playing popular music at the time. Certainly Radio 1, RT, wasn't playing any popular music back in back in that time in 77. And um, I'd listen to the pirate radio stations and uh, my brother Noel would have been on a program called Afternoon Delight. And I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. Mm-hmm. And I think from an early age, I kind of thought about that as a career, um, to be on radio, uh, not not even TV particularly. At that time, it was just radio. I listened to a lot of radio, at nighttime Radio Luxembourg as well, you know. And I was fascinated mm-hmm. by Radio Caroline, uh, the station out on a ship in the UK, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: um. Basically, as the years went on, I suppose when I was about fourteen, maybe I asked my brother, like, would he record me uh, doing a few links and send it off to um, one of the Cork pirate radio stations and see how we got on.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: um, so it was a couple of years later then when I when I really had the confidence to do it. I'd say it was kind of 1983, really, when I um, when I got my first chance on um, Radio Caroline, Cork. There was a station in Talker in the south side of Cork City where I'm actually from myself. So I had not far to go. I cycled down one summer's evening, and uh, the guy that owned the radio station, Mickey Daly, uh, listened to my tape, and he goes, "Yeah, he's got a potential there," mm-hmm. and he gave me a weekend show. So that's where I started in late '83, and um, <laughs> the rest is history. As a fellow like says, I went um, from from Radio Caroline to South Coast Radio, and there was. The original South Coast Radio was the early 80s, but I went to the kind of second coming, really, of South Coast Radio in, well, 1984, 85. And um, I was on Pirate Radio then until so they really closed down, I suppose, in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in 1988, I got a break on multi-channel TV. Um, they were looking for a sports presenter. I think Eamon O'Keefe who was the then Cork City Manager, was presenting the show out the George T and Cork on local television, called multi-channel TV. But he wasn't cut out for it, uh, to make a long story short. And they started advertising for a sports presenter then. And I put my name in the hat and I think they listened to me on radio. I was doing a bit of sports and radio even back then, believe it or not. And um, they gave me an audition and asked me could I commentate. And I, I kind of bluffed it a bit and said I could, even though I never really commentated. Only maybe in a multi-sting league match. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up working with multi-channel doing Commentaries on Cork City, and I did all the Jay stuff, the county championships, hurling, and football. Um, so that was a great learning for me, great way to bed in. You know, um, I got kind of free reign as such. I was putting scripts together, I was reporting, I was commentating mm-hmm. the works. And uh, in that time, like I've, I think I've interviewed something like eight world champions out of that small building, George City in Cork. And I worked for them from 1988 to 98 when I um, got called for the first I was the television station the first uh, independent television station in Ireland TV3 so I went for that um, and with, with the backing I had over the you know with the experience I had the groaning I had with uh, multi channel really stood for me and uh, to make a long story short I landed a job then in TV3 as the anchor and uh, I spent um, 1998 to 2012. I was full-time reading mm-hmm. sports news um, on on the news at 530 and doing a, a nighttime show called sports tonight and um, I did uh, present kind of here week, weekly as well as league weekly it was kind of a, a highlight program for League of Ireland mm-hmm. uh, dedicated League of Ireland but um, I suppose I think for me the highlight of my career really is when we got the breakthrough and the early noughties when we landed the Champions League, I think we took RT by surprise when we, uh, yeah, course, we yeah. actually got right for the Champions League, and um, I was sent off to my first game. I think it was in September two thousand in the new camp of all places, the fact Barcelona against Leeds, and um, I'll never forget a scorching heat and the pressure <laughs> of doing the game. Uh, but um, you know, thanks, I got through it, and uh, here we are in twenty twenty two. I've 22 years experience in doing European football for TV3 so for Media. still doing games today I think I've done something like 15 European finals so living the dream you know as a young fellow that was Jordan Chalker my mother's my late mother's house um, I'd have been pretending to be a commentator when I was about 12 but a ruler and the commentating, I'm a big Man United fan, commentating on Man United, Wembley, in an FA Cup final.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I would have been around 77. And Roland, 2016, actually was in Wembley, commentating on United, Crystal Palace, in an FA Cup final. So, really, I've lived up my dream, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely, no, that's uh, as, as good as you get, uh, to be fair. But, um, Trevor, just back, uh, track back a small bit in the commentary, and even you mentioned it there, the first game in the new Camp. What were the nerves mm. like, do you know, you'd be saying you'd nearly be as nervous as the lads walking out into the pitch, do you know, on, a, on an occasion like that. Did you have to do a lot of prep work, to know, in terms of when your commentary, do you know, this go, kind of goes for both the first game and every game. Is there a lot involved in the background before you even take to the mic?
1: Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of research. Like you have to be, as suppose to like doing exams, you have to be ready uh, for, for the match itself. And yeah. Um, you know, I think I had done commentaries for multi-channel, but this was a different level altogether, Champions League, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I was kind of at the deep end and referred to TV3, you know, they could have got an English commentator, maybe an experienced commentator, uh, but they gave myself and Conor McNamara the chance. We both lost them. Conor, as you know, went on to work for BBC matches today and so on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm doing it now, as I mentioned, like 22 years comment- commentating on the biggest games in Europe. So we will pay their faith like and um, you know I, I think commentary is a kind of a thing where you're learning all the time still learning today there's a lot of tools in it um, you can be researched all you want but it's um, the next bit is, you know unscripted drama for 90 minutes plus um, there's little details in it like you learn as you go along like if there's, if there's two ball fellas up up front up top we say for one team which fella headed it um you're, 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 you don't dive in you wait for the replays you'll always get replays so you don't have to dive in and say the goal scorer. it
2: mm-hmm. you
1: just say you know, fast one and a half score for example and then you're looking at the detail of one bottle that has green boots one guy has red boots so all these little tricks of the trade there's a lot of tools in the trade like, that you learn as you go on you know but um, I just think commentary is, is, is my passion really and that's mm-hmm. where I excel at I think yeah, but it's due to you know a lot of hard work um, behind the scenes, and then delivering the game itself. Like you know, you're talking into the commentary. Send some comments don't overdo it, mm-hmm. especially with that vision where radio has to paint the picture, but then television people can see it. So leave the pictures, breathe as well. All things you learn. Um, if I was advising a young commentator to come in, I would say you know do dry commentaries for 20 minutes to go, and keep going back in them, and. You know, if you're really serious about it, and you think you have a chance, then you will pick up the little things, and I think you you'll improve in each commentary. You know, so yeah. I think that's what happened with me. I, I worked really hard at it to where I am today. You know.
0: Yeah, of course. And uh, as as you mentioned it with with the Champions League games and so much European football, you're going to come across moments where you're like you're commenting on the likes of Dinamo Zagreb or some team out in the middle of, middle of Slovenia or something that you would have surnames there that are going to be a bit obscure. And is there a certain technique or anything you kind of planned out to, you know, get the names right and make sure you're not making a mistake there on the television?
1: Yeah, believe it or not, like, um, you know, I would ring the agencies, um, of, of those countries, you know, the embassies, rather, not the agencies, the embassies, oh, right. we'd say there was, we said say there was a Croatian team, and, and you'd always never get an English team or Scottish team, you know, it's, it's rare i do, like the Croatian team against we'd say a Dutch team, for example, mm-hmm. now it can happen, but I would, in that scenario as well, ring those embassies, but we'd say there's um, a Croatian team in it, I'd, I'd ring the Croatian embassy in Ireland, <laughs> and um, i go through, some of the names that will that wouldn't be familiar with, you'd always know a few of them. Like right? so you'd have to go through about five or six maybe, and um, I'd spell it out, and they would break it down for me. That'd be one way I could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other way you're looking at YouTube stuff and how it's pronounced, and you put in the Google translation, you could put in Croatian to English and put in the name. So there's a, a number of ways now you can do it, which um, is you usually helpful to the commentators. The other thing is when I was going to a lot of games, and i have gone through as many games now. But we'd say if I went to a game in, you know, London at the time, hybrid with say an Arsenal playing, um, a team like Shakhtar Donetsk, um, from from the Ukraine. You you would go to a TV meeting at five o'clock, and um, you would talk to somebody from, the, uh, the with, with the party like with Denny, with um Shakhtar Donetsk, and they would go through the names as well. So. Mm-hmm. There, there's just a few ways of getting the names, and you know, you, you'll you'll be okay. You know, you'd always get it right.
0: You would not. To be fair, no, that's that's a very unique um, style of doing things. Anyway, but it does kind of clear things up for yourself. And just on the, on the commentary as well with TV Tree Trevor, as you kind of said there, we're going over to London and, and bits and pieces like that. Did TV Tree always um fly? You uh, do you know the commentator yourself and a co-commentator out to the stadiums. or was there ever a case where if it was too far away, they might have you in a studio in Dublin? Did they ever have kind of a certain distance they travel, or or was it a case of you know budget cuts or whatever?
1: No, it wasn't. Um, the early years were great. Like there was no restrictions really. I I flew to far off places like in, you know, Budapest, uh, Acaruna in the north of Spain, doing La Coruña Mm-hmm. Um, we, we flew everywhere, Turin, Madrid, like all the big teams in Spain, obviously, Italy, Germany, and England, obviously. Um, so there's no kind of restrictions. Um, I think after kind of 2012, we, we, we only went to the big games then, like the, from the semi finals, maybe um, quarter semi finals, final. And then COVID struck Of course, and so we didn't travel off for the last few years. Mm-hmm. So it's gotten to that point now where I think um, we could have five or six foods set up in headquarters, in Ballymount in, in Virgin Studios. And you could have six commentators doing six different matches like on the night. So I think, you know, cost saving and
0: maybe less risk of things going wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I get, I get you, no, that's, um, that was something I was always very interested about, and in terms then of the commentary, you, you always have um, a co-commentator with you, and normally they would be um, a former soccer player, and would you have had any kind of like favourite co-commentator, Trevor, who you'd always be, been very comfortable next to?
1: Yeah, I think if, if I had to pick one, like, and I say this to people, Mark Lawrence was, you know, a very relaxed in his company I and mean, he had mm-hmm. that kind of style about him anyway kind of a relaxed style and um, we kind of knew each other well because we did so many matches I think it's just about getting that partnership right when to come in when to come out and uh, he had a good style of kind of um, moving forward when he wanted to speak if he spotted something and um, you know it was um, I, I think Mark Lawrence would have been would have been my favourite I like what with Kevin Moore, I work with Frank Staples on Ronnie Whelan was very good like, they're all obviously good because they all play the game and they know the game inside out. I think Jerry Armstrong, in the current climate, I like working with Jerry. I think he's mm-hmm. very authoritative, and uh, especially on the Spanish teams, he's, uh, I mean, he could speak fluent Spanish. Mm-hmm. He, 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 played, he played over there, yeah. and uh, he'd know, he know a lot about Spanish football. In that in that respect, you know, he's, he's very good to work with as well, you know.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with you there, Trevor. Like, even with Mark and even Jury, as you mentioned there, everything comes across as very naturally with him, and it would definitely help you and stay composed as a commentator, I'd imagine, then, on top of it. And, and just on the games you've commentated on then as well, Trevor, is there anyone that really stands out to you that was probably your most memorable?
1: Um, I, I'd have to say, I suppose, my first game ever at Old Trafford. I mean, that was a dream to do, you know... To, to commentate in Old Trafford really and uh, my first game would have been kind of the end of 2000 I'd say it um, would have been United PS3 Eindhoven Old Trafford and I was staying in a hotel across the road the night before and I remember looking out the curtain like the big sign like Old Trafford you know the red lighting outside mm-hmm. Old Trafford and it's you know someone had pinch me because it was just like a dream you know Um that, that would all stand you know, that match just doing being in Old Trafford commentating for the first time I ended up probably doing about 30 commentaries there in the end. Um, Wembley was, was really special as well, doing cup finals there. Because, again, dreaming about being in Wembley for a cup final then to commentate on one. And, you know, I suppose my first Champions League final that I did was um in Glasgow, or 2 as the Indians at was kind of a uh, mm-hmm. volley. It was uh, superb, and I'd be used at Um, so that stands out. But, you know, any of the Champions League nights, being in Glasgow, Celtic, the place is rocking. Um, you know Celtic, Juventus. I, right? you know, I've been you know, watching Messi play for Barcelona, Ronaldo for Madrid. Been in Madrid a few times, so you know they're all quite special, all unique in their own way, and um, you know fantastic experience. Like right? just you couldn't buy it
0: course, yeah, and, and, and your voice is fairly nostalgic to go with uh, Tuesday nights there and TV3, as a young fella, any fella my own age can nearly abide to that as well. And then once the, once the game finishes then, Trevor, he, um, he is commentators then, well, whatever the situation was with TV3, was that he would go down then and do post-match interviews. So, yeah. in, in terms of the interviews then, um, I suppose probably the main one we got to mention is is Jose Mourinho and, and the custard creams, you, you might give us a bit of a background to that.
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, you know, I suppose TV 3 didn't have the luxury of having a specialised, I suppose, um, interviewer per se um, doing the interviews below. So my job would have been like finish the commentary,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, everything into a bag, rush down to the um, to the, the the area we're doing. There's a flash area they call it uh, to do your interviews, which would have been pre-booked before you go and you go to the TV meeting and. You know, the US people would take a list of who you're looking for. What so not always guarantee uh, you get them, but then you walk down the line. You know, and they give you somebody. Um, Jose Mourinho, this one happened with the biscuits in 2010. I think he had come back with him to Inter Milan to play his former club. He managed obviously Chelsea, and he knocked they knocked Chelsea out of it. Um, but what happened was just pure spontaneous. Really, I knew coming up to the, the lead up into that match was that. Mourinho was telling the world that he knew where the Costa Cremes were hidden in the Chelsea cupboard in the tea room, and the, the ladies, the tea ladies, still loved him. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of uh, just, um, you know, I suppose, just rubbing, rubbing Chelsea up like, um, on the way to the match. But, you know, that he was still popular there. He was still a special one at Stamford Bridge. And um, I kind of tune into that like, about the Costa Cremes. But, long story short, Chelsea knocked him out. Or, since when I Chelsea out, and we were told Mourinho was doing two interviews, he did two interviews, so I said, I thought I was gone then after that.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: just um, a kind of um, a rare opportunity. We had the cameras rolling, and um, he was walking towards me, and I said to the waiter, guy, Here's Jose looking, and I just asked him two questions. And he goes, Okay, if you'll do it, he'll do it, but if he, if he doesn't, he won't. Like, we'll just mm-hmm. see how he is. Of so he's walking towards me, and he takes this out of his pocket. Um, and he's eating the biscuits. And, uh, your man said, try it there oh, now. So the camera's rolling. So I got, and I said, uh, Jose, hi, Trevor Walsh from TV3 in Ireland. I said, how was that? feel to tonight, knocking Chelsea out of the Champions League, or club. Mm-hmm. And he popped, uh, to his mouth with the biscuits in that he couldn't speak. And we were live. So I was saying to him, uh, I just had the conversation. And then I thought myself, So it's the custard cream shows there, you like the custard creams?" He goes, yeah. And then I said, your favorite biscuits? Yeah. And then he was, uh, that he was apologising, he shook his hand, kind of thing, to say sorry, mm-hmm. and then he finished a bit because I'm okay now, <laughs> and uh, got two questions in, so it was great, I just said, um, you know, at the end of it then, I said, uh, thanks for talking to us, Jose, and enjoy the Costa Queen, and he kind of smiled, and walked away.
0: Yeah, Jesus, no, that that was fairly iconic, and um, <laughs> there was kind of an earlier, a, a part two to it then, a couple of years later, when Mourinho um, was back in Chelsea as well, wasn't there?
1: Yeah, um, there, there was the second coming then of the Costa Greens as such. Um, and what happened was I bought the Costa Greens Centre on the way to the airport um, on the way to uh, Stample Bridge that night, just in hope that there'd be late drama and something unusual would happen. And it did, of course. Then the scored an added time winner. And Jose, then he his famous run down the line, like such, and I knew we would be in great spirits. Like the deal was that if they lost, it was a bad form. The biscuits would never be produced for a second time. Mm-hmm. But I said, "Here's the opportunity, and go with it if it presents if itself." And if it presents itself, and uh, again, thought that would even though I had the biscuits in the bag. But I told the A T V camera woman, um, "I'm going to make a presentation." In the end, when Jose comes over, I, I knew I had him mm-hmm. that time. I I was one of the few that requested, and uh, well, it was free. I knew he was doing free interviews, and I was in there this time, and um. The ITV camera woman said, Yeah, no, but I, I said, I just got present presentable biscuits from the end. So take like a wide pan so we get it in, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, he was in on it then. So Jose great Farm needed to Um And I said, Jose, well done again tonight. And I said, The biscuits are on TV three this evening. And he goes, Okay, I do." And I gave the biscuits and he accepted them. And uh, he walked onto the bus with the back of the biscuits. <laughs>
0: Then did he did he recognize who you are? Did he was like who is this fella? No, just give me a random pack of biscuits.
1: I don't know. Did he did he kind of did he kind of uh, know there was previous like a couple of years earlier? Mm-hmm. But uh, he accepted the biscuits because uh, I say he just saw the funny side, like I did. But the thing that kind of annoyed me really after is that that went viral in Ireland that night on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It was the most uh, commented um, subject on Twitter in Ireland that night. I kept until Bama was with me. We were in a hotel after having a, a quick bear before I we went to bed. And he said, it's has gone viral. There's thousands of hits on it. And, um, you know, kind of one or two of us, well done. That was a was good kind of, you know, i I'd lived, like, kind mm-hmm. of thing. And, but there was a few people then um, had kind of said, you know, was it product placement? And they were worried about it. Oh, and I said, no, there's no, there's no product placement. Like I was trying to and there were stations and all these big companies are behind the Champions League, <laughs> and I, had, I intentionally, anyway, put like, there was no like Jacob's a ball the ball and seeing I just upside down and get me yes
0: yes uh, cause
1: yes because I was conscious that believe it or not when I made the presentation, but you know that threw a little spanner in the works. Like um, people were giving up, but most people saw the funny side of it, <laughs> and there was two the radio stations that were "Can you believe what I was <laughs> just done? Made a person, Jose with biscuits." they were kinda of taking the pee out of it, but i say most of them didn't know the previous
2: mm-hmm. didn't
1: know the full story. Um, but um, I think most people like there was a few journalists around me and they you know Liam Matthew and the Irish examiner and they all saw the funny side of it. And it um, you know, happy in the end I just
0: no, it is, it is a pure kind of cock thing now, pure Irish charm, do you know, just uh, chance it for a bit of a laugh and sure, do you know, it, it turned out to be a fairly iconic moment anyway, do you know, and I, I'm sure, I'm sure Josie took it well. And just uh, on that as well then, Trevor, because you obviously going in to talk to managers or players after, um, like, obviously big European nights, and then you might come across a manager or a player, do you know, after a defeat, and is that almost um harder then again to try and get something out of the manager or the player because... They've had a disappointing result.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've had a few moments with certain managers, like I thought Kenny Daglish was difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex could be if he's on a defeat, but thankfully, I'd say if I interviewed Ferguson in five times, I would say no, below the five times I probably had won. Um, so I always got him okay. Mm-hmm. He never really was difficult with me. Uh, Daglish was difficult with me uh, after Liverpool lost the match in Europe. Um, in few, I thought uh, Arsene Wenger was a gentleman mm-hmm. even though they were, they, were, they were in Barcelona Messi destroyed in one particular match and uh, he came out and still spoke. and he was he's a real gent like when lose a draw I mean he got the same um, but you know certain managers are right I Angelotti." when I interviewed him when United beat Chelsea in the Champions League small but difficult um, but I think I think once you're well prepared mm-hmm. and have a good question zone in case come back at you like once mm-hmm. you're prepared I think are comfortable in the interview really. Um and it's and it's total like spontaneous obviously after the game and you're just after watching it and the adrenaline is there like and it's um but I love it like I mean I you know, I don't care if a manager has a go back really because like, it's part of the game, especially if a manager loses and he's not in the best place like and probably the last place he wants to be is talking to reporters like after losing a big game, you know? Of course, yeah.
0: But that's part and of it. It is all that, and um, whatever way you look at it is part, is part of your job too. And and finally then, Trevor, just um, to wrap up, um, obviously you being involved with TalkSport and Premier League Live and everything, um, we'll have a quick chat, as you mentioned, you're a Man United fan. Um, the opinions on the team now at the moment and the wars they're having, um, can you see any bit of a turnaround there in Old Trafford?
1: Yeah, it's hard. Like, I mean, the way I described the game against Brighton last week was like a continuation of last season. Um, no structure to it, no real leader, no cutting edge. Um, you know, it's, as a United fan, I'm really disappointed with the way things have gone since Ferguson uh, mm-hmm. stepped away. Um, I don't think United have got it right. I think the big problem is the owners, the Glaziers, and they take money out of the club. The club seems to have lost their soul a bit, lost its way a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they will get it back, but um, they're a long way off the likes of Man City and, uh, and Liverpool. Uh, you know even Tottenham this year I think could finish above us Arsenal maybe Chelsea so you know 35 points off Man City last year was you would have got a million ton on that on the Ferguson um, and I just I, I think Eric, Eric Ten Hag to give him time alright I think you know what he done with Ajax and the football they were playing but it's mm-hmm. going to take him time he needs he needs another defender runner anyway, right back he needs another midfielder I know they're chasing Frankie De Young, I think he's probably one of the most exciting talents two footed Mm-hmm. Um, but in an attacking sense United like since they lost Pogba last year midfield midfield is a big problem for them I know they're saying Christian Eriksen but like McTominay and Fred are not good enough to play for United um, you know if they're going to try challenge Man City and Liverpool definitely not up top Rashford's lost his confidence knock um, on and Sancho Ronaldo will probably move on and it can't depend on a 37 year old to be mm-hmm. the man Great. to try and protect. So there are a lot of problems, even defensively. Maguire, obviously, is critics, He's not quick enough. Um, but I, I think they're four or five signings short of having any chance of competing for the top four. And it's it's hard to see. I'm going over Monday week for the United-Liverpool game yeah. on the twenty of August, Monday week. And, you know, not that I'm dreading it, <laughs> but I'd be fair uh, if United don't get their act together. That could be embarrassing against their greatest rivals, and um, you know they're a hard watch at the moment in, in terms of the, the structures not there. Like Liverpool know what they're about, Man City know what they're about, even you know Tottenham under Conte. When when Solcher went, and I think they hung on to Solcher for two years too long, and um, that was a bit not a big problem. I think like I remember putting up a picture on Twitter when Solcher went, said, "And of your Conte get him now," and I think he'll do great things to Tottenham. Um, But a long way to go, and it's just disappointing, you know, I think under Ferguson, United had a certain style of playing, quickly up the pitch, you know, keep it full back, Mm -hmm. flank down the wing, you know, and they they could score in seconds. I just don't see, you know, and teams are coming to old staff, and any team thinking they can get a result like Brighton last week.
0: Yeah, that, that's a that's a big thing the men, the mental side of it as well Trevor as you're saying there you know um in the Ferguson's era did there was almost that that intimidation factor that you'd say like teams were nearly beaten before they even kicked the ball you know against that united team.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh definitely it's a mental thing left. um you know I I think Ken Hag might get it right in time if he's given the time uh couple a two seasons I'd say but I think he will be good for the mental side of things. Uh, from what, what you'd hear about them. Um, but um, they're just, they have a weak centre, United at the moment. They've got to be mentally strong. Um, I just hope that they'll they will sign two or three players anyway, at least before the uh, transfer window. And maybe they, they, they could challenge for the top four. But in terms of the title,
0: I think they're a few years away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're right there. But um, I'd be a Liverpool fan in there, Trevor, so I don't mind seeing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. They were...
1: They were- that's the great rivalry like I mean you know when I was going to school a lot of my friends were Liverpool fans because Liverpool winning any, everything at the time so mm-hmm. I go to school in the 70s and 80s and I put up with Liverpool fans saying you know your year years behind us and I was saying you know we'll, we'll get our time and Ferguson was probably the worst thing to ever happened in Liverpool
2: mm-hmm. like
1: when he came in he said we'll knock them off their perch you know
2: mm-hmm. and he did yeah. and
1: they're still above Liverpool like I know all the things when Liverpool won the title the year before last saying you know we're back on our perch, but they're not really because they're still one behind United, and I the, say <laughs> they can only join United on their perch if they win the title next this season. Um, but it's an incredible achievement of you know, Ferguson, what did like knocking a team like Liverpool off their perch 2019. But I'm fearful, I, I'm just kind of glad that Man City are dominating as United at the moment, believe it <laughs> or not, they have only a few titles. Keep Liverpool going until United get back in top and
0: go and put them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be a while yet, I, and I feel your pain as well. I grew up in the mid-noughties, so um, I know what it's like when the rival team is doing better than your own crowd. So I, I've watched some dreadful Liverpool teams. So what goes round comes round, then, and you know it'd be good to see the rivalry come back again.
1: Yeah, it should be an interesting season, though, with the World Cup as well. Like how that will affect things, you know. Um, mm-hmm. What players will get injured? What club will suffer most? I think it would be kind of a different season. Somebody would come from the pack. Maybe Tottenham could could challenge City and Liverpool for the title. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe someone else would come from the back. Maybe an Arsenal. Um, I don't think it's going to be United, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Look, we we'll, we we'll, we we'll leave it at that, Trevor. We'll, we'll um we'll bask in the glory of, of United being down in <laughs> fifth or sixth for another while, anyway. <laughs> perfect, worry, por- perfect, Trevor. Um, to it was, was a pleasure ch- uh, chatting to you, and thanks very much for coming on.
1: No about it thanks sean pleasure
0: so as mentioned there with trevor the premier league is on the sporting calendar this weekend as well as the european championships which have started off over there in munich we also have golf in the saint jude championship we have the rugby championship that is taking place down under and plenty local ga action to keep you entertained So that is it from me this morning. You're listening to West Cork FM.